0: Hey y'all, before we get started on today's podcast episode, I actually wanted to take just a quick note and to make note that yes, if you noticed that we did not post a podcast episode for the past 2 weeks, that did happen. If you are new out to our podcast, totally fine, but I just want to explain or mention to our avid listeners cuz I know that you guys, there's many of you that look forward to having our podcast every week, that that was happening because we made some big shifts in the business recently and I'm going to be announcing them a little bit on today's episode, but just so you know, as of now, we are no longer taking any new clients for the Foundations Program. As I'm approaching my maternity leave, I'm finding that it is actually better right now for me to be ramping down my business as far as taking on new clients, and I am instead going to be switching to a wait list. So if you are at all wanting to work with me, have been wanting, have been thinking about that, or you know about the Foundations Program a little bit, I would encourage you to click on the link in the show notes and just apply for the wait list and get on the email and basically you'll be one of the first to know when the Foundations Program reopens after I've given birth and taken care of me and my baby and I'm still going to be here for y'all. We're still going to be releasing new podcast episodes, but I just want to make a quick note on that life and health don't always look the way we think they're going to look. And just like we discussed on all these podcast episodes, it's really about just making the best choices and finding the best things for your health at the time. So everything's going great for me and baby. But in the meantime, just wanted to update you guys on what's happening here at Better Belly Therapies. In the meantime, let's get going with the rest of that podcast episode. On episode 76 of the Better Belly podcast, I got to interview my client Sharon and share her testimonial on how she is healing her fibromyalgia for the first time in years through her work with Better Belly Therapies in our Foundations program. On that episode, we talked about how my client Sharon went from constant chronic pain and brain fog to being able to go on walks and attend her granddaughter's soccer games. And I realized as of that episode that we did not have a podcast yet on the science behind fibromyalgia and how functional health practices are both finding and healing the root cause of fibromyalgia in clients. Lots of our clients with IBS in our clinic also have fibromyalgia or what I like to say fibromyalgic-like symptoms. This includes brain fog, joint stiffness, muscular pain, fatigue, all for the quote-unquote no reason, except that there is a reason. It's just that, just like IBS, fibromyalgia often has causes that are not visible on an x-ray or even barely visible on a blood work, unless you know what you're looking for. So, Where is fibromyalgia visible? On today's episode, I'm going to talk with you about the two labs we are using to help our clients beat fibromyalgia, the markers that your doctor isn't looking for, and how you can heal your fibromyalgia and your IBS at the same time. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. So, before we jump into today's episode, I just wanted to go over some basics. First off, what is fibromyalgia? Well, the CDC defines fibromyalgia as a condition that causes pain all over the body, also referred to as widespread pain. It causes sleep problems, fatigue, and often emotional and mental distress. Fibromyalgia affects about 4 million U.S. adults and about 2% of the adult population. The cause of fibromyalgia is not known. That is... Pretty much what I was introduced to with fibromyalgia when I first started roaming the internet. Because let me tell you, when I was super sick in 2015 with all my GI problems, I had all the symptoms of fibromyalgia. I had the pain all over my body, the sleep problems, the fatigue, the emotional and mental distress. I had it all. And I remember that while I had a diagnosis of IBS, I also was wondering and Considering, should I be considering or thinking about, or, or at least um, honoring myself by saying maybe there's something else going on here? I remember not being thrilled with the idea that I would have fibromyalgia. Again, no doctor had diagnosed me, but reading and realizing that it, the cause is unknown, the cause of pain is unknown, and pretty much the solution is unknown, and the only thing available really is coping mechanisms for the pain, um, at least in the conventional healthcare system, I wasn't overly thrilled with the idea that I might have a growing case of fibromyalgia in my body. Now, the most common symptoms of fibromyalgia are that pain and stiffness all over the body, fatigue and tiredness, depression and anxiety, sleep problems, problems with thinking, memory and concentration, so that brain fog, and then often like headaches, including migraines. Um, And it can come with other symptoms as well, such as tingling and numbness in the hands and feet, pain in the face or jaw, often known as TMJ, and Lo and behold, digestive problems are really, really common for clients with fibromyalgia. So that includes abdominal pain, bloating, constipation, and even IBS. Hmm. By the way, I did read this list straight off of the cdc so this is what the cdc is even suggesting that there's a strong correlation um, between fibromyalgia and gut health and let me tell you that is important on today's episode because i want to be talking with you guys about how do you see the the cause of fibromyalgia Now, one of the problems that we have in conventional medicine is that when they are looking at things like IBS or fibromyalgia, to use two examples, let alone a whole host of other things, including Crohn's disease or um, PCOS or endometriosis, is that doctors are not using all the same labs that a functional practitioner would use, and so they end up missing stuff and they're basically in it's invisible markers invisible causes not only that but you have a problem that there's not just one cause for IBS That is clear even in the functional health world. You can have two people with the same symptoms, the same diagnosis of IBS. They both have bloating. They both have constipation. They both have diarrhea. They both have acid reflux. They both have bloating. They both have all these things, right? And you can have two people with the same diagnosis and the same symptoms have two totally different reasons for having IBS. One person's got H. pylori and candida and heavy metals. Another person has mold toxicity and that often has mineral depletion on top of that and there's oxalates and we're going to talk about oxalate today and you can have two people though who have have the same symptoms have different causes which makes it very very hard in conventional medicine which is really looking for a one to one connection or correlation like if you have heart disease this is the cause or if you have you know our hardening of your arteries, then this is the cause. It's really looking for these one-to-one correlations. If you have a a sickness that that doesn't have a one-to-one correlation that's acknowledged by the medical system and it does require different lab testing, it's not going to be found. But the great news is, is that there is a way to see those invisible causes, those hidden unknown causes, and they often cause both IBS and fibromyalgia. So I like to call that the IBS fibromyalgia connection because they are so interconnected. So today I'm going to talk with you about the two labs we use at Better Belly Therapies to find this hidden source of pain and brain fog and fatigue that we find both in our clients with fibromyalgia, as well as our clients with IBS. So the two labs you're going to need, one is called the HTMA, and it stands for Hair Tissue Mineral Analysis. I want you to just think hair, H. HTMA hair, it's taking hair from the top of your head and analyzing its mineral contents. And we're going to talk a little bit about what we find in there, what we look for in there for our clients who either have fibromyalgia or they have fibromyalgia-like symptoms. And then the second test we're going to really want to be looking at is something called the organic acid test. And in that test, uh, it's a urine-based test again, not typically done in conventional medicine, we're looking for something called oxalates. On top of a couple other markers, but oxalates they're the big thing going on. So the two words that I want you to walk away with after today's episode, if you have fibromyalgia, if you think that you at least have, you know, s- similar symptoms, if you have a friend who has these symptoms, you want to walk away with two things that you're thinking about that are invisible causes of pain in the body. One is calcium. Yeah, more on that in a second. Surprise, surprise. And the second one is something called oxalates, which you may or may not have ever heard of before. So I'm going to jump into things like why is calcium causing pain? Where does it come from? Um, You know, what what does it mean? If you're like taking a calcium supplement or if your doctor says you have low calcium um, levels, you, by the way, um, this fibromyalgia does correlate strongly with people with osteopenia um, and just like even known by their doctors that they're having problems with having calcium in their bones and there's the same correlation. So even if you know or are suspicious that you're losing calcium from your bones and you have fibromyalgia, um, doesn't mean that you could still have this calcium problem. And we'll get to that in a second. And then the calcium actually ends up creating an oxalate problem. And then the two are interconnected by the gut. Are you guys ready? (laughs) I'm so ready. All right. So calcium, why is calcium so important? And by the way, keep this in mind that when I'm talking about calcium, this is not going to be visible on an x-ray and it's not going to show up in blood work. You actually have to check the hair samples to get a accurate view on what's going on because hair and blood, they act totally differently. And the body is sending out totally different messages when you take a sample of each. And so just want to say, as we're thinking about calcium levels and, and what it means that don't just dismiss it because your calcium was low on your last blood work or whatever it is. So calcium, um, what's happening in fibromyalgia that is creating problems is that calcium is a sharp mineral And due to a variety of, of upstream problems, which we're going to get to in a second, the body starts pushing calcium out of the bones, which is where we want it to be out of our teeth even. Um, and our body starts accumulating calcium in soft tissue. That's things like muscle, things like joints, things like our eyes, our brains, our fascia, and that calcium, if you ever think of like calcification, like if you have hard water and, and you can get calcification around your faucets or things like that, your shower head, you get these hard crystals, these hard um, Buildups um, on on the surface from this water that has all this calcium or other minerals in it, right? And that ends up happening in your body, in your soft tissue, on a microscopic level. Now, interestingly enough, even though it's microscopic and you can't see it, um, many people can't even. You you're not necessarily going to feel it. The body does notice it, and so you're going to get increased pain. You're going to have stiffness because if you have, for example, these calcium deposits in muscles it's very hard for those muscle fibers to contract and relax so you get this classic stiffness that is involved in in fibromyalgia um, you get you, some other calcium shell symptoms you get the joint and muscle pain you can get cramps spasms and twitching in the muscle a lot of times muscle again muscle fibers are not being able to function properly. So you're going to get that extra spasming and twitching. Uh, there's often a correlation of actually with arthritis that if you have a calcium problem, it's because you're dumping calcium from your bones and it's ending up in your soft tissue. Now, this is, by the way, not an irreversible problem. And we're going to talk about how you can actually reverse it, or at least a little bit of how we do reverse it. And then how, how this even happens to someone like, why is your body and not someone else's body dumping calcium from your bones? There is a reason actually, and it's not just because you're broken, right? But um, you'll see that arthritis, even the hardening hardening of arteries can also be a correlating problem or just at least another thing going on at the same time. Kidney stones, histories of kidney stones, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome because of how calcium will calcify around nerves and actually... Reduce the functionality of nerve endings, and so the that's where brain fog gets comes in. That's where um, that chronic fatigue comes in. We also have problems with calcium actually damaging mitochondria in our cells, and you get a lot of chronic fatigue from that as well because we're not producing energy in our little battery. Energy packs in every cell that we have. We have impaired circulation, reduced spine movement, slow oxidation of the body, which is like uh, reduced metabolism. You can have symptoms of copper toxicity, hypothyroid symptoms because calcium actually reduces um, how how much how able uh, thyroid is able to bind onto cells and then actually activate. So T3 activating onto our cells. And so you could even have potentially like normal thyroid levels, but be getting hypothyroid symptoms, weight gain. Again, that's another source of having really low energy, perhaps thinning hair, um, dry skin, all these hypothyroid symptoms can come up. Poor dental health and tooth decay, and then also sensitivity to electromagnetic frequencies because calcium is a, very conductive mineral as far like electrical wise. And so if you have this buildup throughout your entire body, you can just become this supercharged person more or less. And things like Bluetooth signals and Wi-Fi signals and just electricity around you is going to be much, much less comfortable. It can really impact sleep. Uh, EMFs in particular known to impact sleep. It can impact pain levels. It can impact just like headaches and migraines. Basically your body's getting all this interference um, and it's, it's subtle, it's invisible. So it's hard to see, but it can be part of what's going on with fibromyalgia and just the general sensitivity that people experience in their bodies with fibromyalgia. So those are some calcium shell symptoms. And you can see that there's a correlation with fibromyalgia. The joint and muscle pain is a huge one. That chronic fatigue syndrome is huge. Um, reduced spine movement is common, um, again, mainly with that joint stiffness because, the again, the calcium can end up in the joint capsules as well and around the, the fascia and inside of the joint capsule. So that can really stiffen up our joints um, when there is calcium deposits. And again, you can have this whether you can have a calcium deposit in soft tissue, whether or not you have a fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia diagnosis. But if someone comes in and tells me, hey, I have fibromyalgia, I'm like, okay, 100%, we need to check your calcium levels on your HTMA. Now, why the HTMA? Real quick, I want to give you a background on how this test works. So, when you do a blood draw, for example, calcium is often something we can check. But our bodies, hyperregulate our blood as much as possible. And so if if you can still get a high and low marker in the blood, but the body is doing everything it possibly can to make our calcium levels look normal in the blood. However, if you have, you know, a calcium shell and you're leaching calcium from your bones and it's crystallizing and depositing or calcifying and depositing in your soft tissue, what you're gonna find is that your body's actually leaching calcium and you're gonna see it in hair. And so unlike blood, which actually might even look low because you're not binding calcium appropriately. So it's not very bioavailable and it's going to be at low levels in the blood and then high levels in your soft tissue. When you do a hair tissue, it's going to be in high levels there because you are basically just dumping. And when it's coming out of the hair, it doesn't mean you have excess, like, oh, you're taking too many supplements. It just means you're not holding on to the calcium that you do have and that you likely do want. It's just coming out of your body, regardless. And so you do this hair sample, and kind of regardless of what the blood work says or whether or not you have arthritis or osteopenia or osteoporosis, right? Any of these things, you're going to see this really high calcium level. Um, usually above like 160 on the HTMA. You know, I've seen as high as 600 for that. And that's just, you know, rampant fibromyalgia-like pain for whoever that person has it. And often that brain fog and, and muscle stiffness and sleep problems and just discomfort in the body. So the question now becomes, well, how does someone get a calcium shell? Why does one person get it and another person not? because the body doesn't just spontaneously start (laughs) shedding calcium. Like it just seemed like a good idea. The body always has a reason for everything. So a couple things that can cause a high calcium shell. One is something called high oxalates. Now we're actually going to get into oxalates as our second point, if you remember that word from the beginning of the episode, because it's kind of its own thing in many ways. And I want you guys to understand oxalates a little bit better, but oxalates They were gonna talk again that they're they're this um natural substance found often in plants and animals, um, especially humans, um, but and not animal products so much. You're not gonna really eat it or ingest it too much in animal products, but the biggest place you're gonna find oxalates in nature is plants. Um, well, when you these these oxalates as a natural substance, it binds with calcium and then it can make the calcium even more problematic. So that's one thing that goes on there, but Um, copper toxicity can be a cause of a calcium shell. We have not had a podcast episode on copper toxicity and I am planning on doing it, (laughs) but we just have a lot of podcast episodes that have constantly come out. So we will get to, and I do want to talk about copper toxicity. It's another thing that we can evaluate through the HTMA, uh, lab test, but copper toxicity will also aggravate a calcium shell. Iodine deficiency problems will cause a calcium shell, Um, this is also going to cause thyroid problems on its own because we need iodine, proper levels of iodine to create both T4 and T3 key thyroid markers. So doing a functional analysis of a thyroid panel can often give us insight into if there might be an iodine deficiency going on. Emotional trauma and chronic stress can also really cause calcium shell. And that's a little bit where we actually see some of that correlation. Of people with fibromyalgia, maybe having had some more, um, you know, maybe something called ACEs, acute childhood events, or excuse me, adverse childhood events, um, but as well as just chronic stress, like life stuff going on, um, other sicknesses that they've dealt with, family sickness, financial strain, um, basically what when our bodies aren't ready to deal with a stressful situation we can use calcium to numb our nerves a little bit. And we talked about how calcium will calcify around the nerve endings. It'll make us hypersensitive to electromagnetic frequencies outside the body, but then undersensitive, hyposensitive um, to the actual nerve conduction of our nerves um, inside of our bodies. And so um, that, that numbing effect is really powerful because it can can help us kind of push through a difficult season. But if we don't deal with that stressful dish situation or we never undo kind of that, the, the injury that happened from that situation that caused our body to leak calcium to protect us, you can end up just being stuck in that calcium shell. But there is a correlation between that emotional trauma and chronic stress and seeing calcification around our nerve endings excessive calcium supplementation can be a huge problem. So postmenopausal women in particular are just being told, just take all this calcium. But if they don't have the proper minerals and honestly, even digestive support to absorb calcium, like you need stomach acid to liberate calcium appropriately from food matrices. You need sodium, magnesium, boron to appropriately absorb calcium. Uh, If you don't have everything that you need to absorb calcium, then calcium will build up and it won't be absorbed. It'll bind with oxalates, which you're also eating and like your healthy, you know, foods and greens and stuff. And then you'll really have a problem. So, um, calcium shells, uh, again, because they don't show up in blo- blood work, uh, they will, they will often actually show up as low calcium in the blood, which I mentioned. And so then whether or not you're postmenopausal, these women were being recommended and men, But, you know, for us, we see a lot of women being recommended just taking calcium and then they're dumping calcium into their body that their body can't use appropriately and ends up in their soft tissue, not in their bones and teeth, which is a bummer and frustrating. And there's a way to reverse that too, which is what we do with our clients. But that's another cause. Other causes of calcium shells, hard drinking water. Like, do you see calcium deposits in your sink? Um, Hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's. Um on their own can predispose someone to calcium, a calcium shell. It doesn't mean that you have to have it. And there's ways that in functional medicine, and we want to support Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism so that your body does have proper metabolism of both its minerals and as well, like all the foods that we're eating, but there's this calcium issue that can be caused by iodine, um, imbalance or deficiency in the body. And then, um, electromagnetic frequency exposure can also affect calcium channels. Not only can it cause pain and cause symptoms, but it also does affect calcium shells and, and like pull out the calcium because again of that, that, uh, the, it being a conductive mineral. So you have a calcium shell, right? So we want to back up, um, just thinking, you're a fi- person with fibromyalgia, or you know someone, or you're you know you have fibromyalgia-like symptoms, and you have all this stuff floating around because your body's not digesting calcium. You are eating lots of foods like greens and veggies because you're trying to be healthy for your gut health. You got a gut health problems, so you're, you're trying to eat all these things that are healthy for you and good for you, and yet they have high oxalates, which are binding with your calcium. You often have copper toxicity, which can be caused by things like the pill or a copper IUD or even an estrogen-based IUD, uh, which is going to bind with copper and cause copper toxicity, which is going to then push out calcium from the bones because copper is an antagonist to calcium all these fun things. Um, you've got some hypothyroid problems. Maybe your liver's not converting your T4 to your T3. Um, so then you have hypothyroidism problems. You're not absorbing your iodine well. You have all these things going on, right? And you end up developing developing a calcium shell. And then you're stressed on top of it because you're starting to feel sick, yada, yada. You might have IBS as well. And so you're going to see even more with oxalates, how do oxalates get high with microbiome imbalance and with IBS-like problems. And you'll see how this all connects. But some emotional aspects of a calcium shell is you can feel both disconnected, apathetic. You can have emotional numbness. You can feel really psychologically withdrawn. Like a lot of our fibro clients say, you know, I, I feel like world, the world is happening around me, but I'm not in it. Like I'm, I'm kind of out of touch with reality. Um, there's depression, brain fog, and then there can be this anxiety and irritability and emotional outbursts because of copper toxicity driving this. And copper is like a very emotionally charged mineral. Part of that's because of copper's effect on estrogen and how estrogen is actually like a kind of irritating hormone. It's, it it's makes us, um, irritable and moody when there's too much of it. Uh, and so that's just how it works. And this is, this is the, the way it all correlates and combines. So how you would break up a calcium shell is you want to stop calcium supplementation if you have it, because until you're ready to digest calcium, you want to stop that calcium. Um, you would want to take supplements that actually bring calcium back into the bones and away from muscle, muscles and joints and soft tissue. And that's something we work with our clients on uh, through something called the vitamin, uh, MK7, which is a really hyperabsorbable form of vitamin K. Uh, but again, that's not all because if you just give yourself that supplement, then you are going to, you might not be addressing all the other problems that could be causing or irritating the calcium shell. And it honestly could just end up being moot point, but you give it, we give MK7 to our clients at the right point in their healing protocol. So it has optimum effect. You can look at doing an iodine protocol. You want to be really careful with that. Again, this is not something we're recommending clients do on their own because iodine can be toxic to us and we can get too much of it too quickly. Um, you want to. We want to restore digestion. So stomach acid levels, bile levels, because vitamin A helps break up calcium, but vitamin A is a fat-soluble vitamin. So it requires proper digestion and assimilation of fats. This is often missing in people who have GI problems. Maybe, you have um, a removed gallbladder, or maybe you have H. pylori or a low stomach acid. And so you're not breaking down your fats very well. You're, And when that happens, you're not also absorbing your fat soluble vitamins very well. And that includes vitamin A, which again helps break up calcium. So you want to restore digestion so that you can actually absorb vitamin A as well as other minerals so that you can properly... Uh, absorb and and put your calcium back in your bones. You can support the thyroid so that your thyroid hormone can actually encourage your calcium to go to the right place again. Um, This is thyroid support. You can support it through liver detoxification because your liver is responsible for 60% of conversion of T4 to active T3 hormone, thyroid hormone. You can do gut microbiome support um, and anything that has is causing gut microbiome imbalance is going to be a problem because your gut microbiome is responsible for 20% of the conversion of, of your inactive T4 thyroid hormone to the active T3 hormone. So if you have a pathogen, if you have food sensitivities, your microbiome is not doing anything good. And that's another thing we work with our clients on who have fibromyalgia and of course gut health problems. And, and if you have any estrogen dominance symptoms, because excessively high estrogen levels will suppress T3, that active thyroid hormone T3 formation. If you have any estrogen dominance um, in something like a Dutch test, which we do with our clients, look at hormones. Um, if you have symptoms of estrogen dominance, like tender breasts, moodiness, painful periods, irregular periods, heavy periods, acne, poor sleep, irritability, and anger, you are not, you are more likely to have a thyroid problem and then have suppressed T3 and then have a calcium shell and calcium problem. So you can see how this happens kind of like one at a time. (laughs) Maybe you have a liver detoxification problem. Your estrogen starts to get higher. You're taking the pill to try and, um, you know, keep your PMS symptoms and Minimized, but now you have xenoestrogens in your body and your body, your liver can't detox those very well. And so then you have a lot of excess estrogen, your T3 drops even lower and your energy is lower. Um, and then you start to get more calcification. This happens over time. Um, any emotional support can be helpful for, to break up calcium shells, everything from EMDR to somato-emotional releases, acupuncture even. Um, addressing copper toxicity, if this is present, this is present in about 90% of our clients with fibromyalgia and IBS, one of those two. So history of using the pill, a copper estrogen IUD, history of a proton pump inhibitor or stomach acid reducing medication, which will deplete zinc and zinc helps balance copper in a healthy way. If you have H. pylori, which will cause low stomach acid and zinc depletion, a low alkaline phosphatase on your functional blood chemistry analysis. If you have any symptoms of copper toxicity, again, higher likelihood you have a calcium shell on top of that. And then you want to help heal your body of Excess oxalates in the body. Um, Again, oxalates are an anti nutrient in the body and they will bind with other minerals such as calcium and cause an even bigger problem, which really gets us into oxalates. So, hope you guys understand that. You got calcium um, in your body, it's invisible, can't see it by an x ray. You can't um, see it in blood work even because of, of how our bodies create homeostasis in our blood. But you can see the calcium in our hair and the calcium is in the body. It's in that soft tissue. It can get in the eyes. It can get in the brain. It can get in joints. It can get in muscles. It can get in any soft tissue anywhere, in any organ and create pain and discomfort and problems and dysfunction, at brain fog, fatigue. Um, it can really damage our mitochondria, inhibit our thyroid hormone from boarding onto ourselves and just just make us feel tired and miserable. All right. So you got that going on. Well, now there's this other thing going on called oxalates and oxalates are incredibly tied to gut health. And this is where IBS becomes really, really obvious as a additional part of things that could be pushing along or just gut health problems in general, things that are causing and pushing along and correlating with this fibromyalgia. So What are oxalates? Oxalates, again, they're a natural occurring substance found in plants that end up in humans and our bodies naturally generate some oxalates. And we also get a lot of oxalates by eating plant-based foods. Plants use oxalates for structure, like it's kind of like their bones because oxalates are like hard, uh, right? They're, they're they're this hard substance, and they can be used as protection against things like bugs, because basically for the bugs it's like munching on glass shards, like it's sharp, it's painful, right? And now you're starting to think, oh gosh, if the bugs don't like eating it, do I want that in my body? Now the the thing is, is our bodies are naturally designed to both be exposed to oxalates and then get them out of our body, when you have a healthy functioning body, you only really absorb one to 2% on average of oxalates that you're exposed to. But if you have dysfunction, especially things like leaky gut and pathogens and gut inflammation, you could absorb up to 50% of the oxalates you get exposed to in plants. And suddenly your oxalates just jump through the roof, not because plants are bad for us to eat, but because you have Um, Your body and your digestive system is not set up well to appropriately digest and take care of that. Now, this is something to watch out for is that if you are a vegetarian or a vegan or you're eating a lot of plant-based diet, you could actually be exacerbating an oxalate problem that if you already have a health problem and you've gone vegetarian and vegan and you feel worse or not better at the very least, it could be because you have this influx of oxalates every single meal um, through all the veggies you're eating and plant-based foods and you're overloading your body with oxalates. So um, these oxalates then bind with minerals. They can deplete you of calcium. Magnesium and iron are three really big ones. They can also bind with heavy metals and make you like toxic with heavy metals because your body doesn't get them out of of your body really well. And so oxalates will bind with calcium. They'll form these crystals with these razor sharp knife-like edges. And this is where uh, oxalates and calcium take something that was bad, like a calcium shell, and they make it way worse because oxalates with calcium is a much little sharper, substance. And so oxalates can affect every system in the body. It's not just gut. It can affect your skin, it can affect your muscles, it can affect your brain. And so symptoms of high oxalates can involve the following. And and listen to this. Listen how similar this list of like oxalate, uh, you could call this oxalate t- toxicity or high oxalates in the body. It's so similar to fibromyalgia. So, pain anywhere but especially in the urinary tract, genital tract, joints, muscles, eyes, head, and intestines, so you can see like headaches and migraines being connected to um, fibromyalgia. Intestines—that's you know IBS-like pain or fibromyalgic pain. Fibromyalgia just having pain in the abdomen. Um, anything basically that has soft tissue, like your eyes are super soft, your intestines are soft, your muscles are soft, your joints, right? They're not bones. Painful and inflamed joints and muscles, um, which can be be similar to or even seem like fibromyalgia or arthritis. There's a lot of fatigue with high oxalates because they'll damage your mitochondria and your cells. There's brain fog because the oxalates can get into the blood brain barrier, Uh, insomnia, burning feet sensation, gas and bloating, frequent urination and or urinary pain because our body's trying to pee out all these oxalates, but they're clustering so quickly and crystallizing that they're basically tearing at the urinary tract as they're coming through the ureters and the urethra and the bladder. So there can be even like a similarity of like problems with interstitial cystitis with oxalates. And we have worked with several clients with interstitial cystitis, and they've had a lot, a lot of their flare-ups dramatically decrease when we start looking at oxalates and looking at calcium in their body. Um, gas and bloating, frequent, or I already said that, sorry about that. Um, kidney stones, also are going to be common. So oxalates and calcium bind together. They're going to make kidney stones, Uh, headaches, depression, and anxiety, yeast overgrowths, rashes and hives because of how oxalates affect the skin. And then anemia because oxalates combine with iron. And so you could be taking iron supplements. And if you have an oxalate problem, which we'll get to how that happens. um, But if you have an oxalate problem, it could potentially bind with iron and still, you're going to have anemia just like anybody else. So it reduces the body's ability to also form red blood cells. When you have anemia, you can reduce oxygen to your muscle cells, your brain, your organs. You're going to, that's going to cause fatigue, poor focus, muscle weakness, sleep that isn't restful, um, headaches and migraines, all those things. And then I already mentioned this, but heavy metal toxicity because oxalates combined with heavy metals and instead of us getting them out of the body, they're trapped in our body's tissues. Wow, does that all sound familiar? Like like so similar to the fibromyalgia list, right? And even things that a lot of clients with IBS deal with. So some causes of high oxalates. Number one is antibiotic use because this kills the primary bacteria responsible for breaking down oxalates. We actually have something called oxalobacteria, (laughs) Um, pretty pretty aptly named. It's literally healthy bacteria in our gut designed to break down oxalates because our microbiome has developed over time to know we're going to eat plants and plants have oxalates. So let's have some bacteria in there that love oxalates and can make them Um, neutralized, and yet if you have a depleted or imbalanced microbiome, potentially from an antibiotic use, you're going to have um, an oxalate problem because you can't get rid of them. Uh, Overconsuming high oxalate foods, so that's things like spinach, Swiss chard, chia seeds, nuts, rhubarb, plantains, etc., Basically plants, so being on a vegan or vegetarian diet and also having gut health problems, going to be really, really hard, much more likely to be have a high oxalate load. Um, micronutrient deficiencies such as vitamin B1 and B6, which helps the body generate um, more oxalates. Calcium and magnesium uh, are necessary to bind the oxalates so that they're excreted in stool. So you want to make sure that you can healthfully have calcium in your body, and magnesium to bind the oxalates in a healthy way and poop them out rather than them being absorbed. But this just gets into a whole problem of like, what's happening with calcium when you take it? Do you have the stomach acid you need to free it from its matrix so it can bind to oxalates and you can poop it out? Or is it binding with calcium? or oxalates binding with calcium rather not in your gut, but in your bloodstream? And so kind of not to be too confusing, but where the oxalates are meeting up with calcium and are they meeting up a calcium in a bioavailable form in the gut? Or are they maybe not bioavailable calcium because you don't have good stomach acid? And then they end up in the blood and the oxalate gets absorbed into the bloodstream. So you can see these nuances here going on. But fat malabsorption because uh, extra fat binds to calcium um, and then that calcium isn't available to bind with ca- with the oxalates and the oxalates are free to get into blood and tissues. Leaky gut problems, which allows oxalates to get into the bloodstream to begin with. Again, that's how you get from that one to 2% absorption of oxalates into the, into the body. Body. To up to 50% is leaky gut, and leaky gut's gonna be caused by things like food sensitivities and other pathogens like parasites, Candida, H. pylori. Um, I feel like I'm missing one that we often talk about, but any type of pathogen. And then sometimes uh, just genetic mutations in general, but this is really, the least common factor Um, some people do have less of an ability to handle oxalates and those people will all they have to do is actually just reduce the number of foods they eat that have high oxalates not all vegetables um, and plants have the same amount of oxalates so they end up being um, if there's a genetic mutation involved you would just end up eating a diet that's higher in meat and foods and plants that are low oxalates and that kind of gets around it there But for the most people, it's going to be really thinking about having a healthy microbiome, um, reducing toxic addition of oxalates because two pathogens, there are two pathogens that we can have in our bodies that actually create oxalates on their own. You could eat zero, literally eat zero oxalates in your diet. And if you have candida or mold, those both create more oxalates. Right, So that's just a huge problem we're finding is that our clients um, have pathogens that doctors aren't looking for, they're not finding. And then these pathogens are just causing more and more of a problem. And then you wanna have a strong detoxification system in your body because you wanna be able to shuffle those oxalates safely out. And a lot of times if the body's been weakened, that detoxification system needs to be rebuilt. And we do that with our clients. So how to end high oxalates so that they stop binding to calcium? Calcium One, you want to identify pathogens in the body like H. pylori, which is going to reduce stomach acid um, and really not help you liberate calcium so that it can bind safely in the gut. You want to get rid of things like candida and mold in particular to reduce oxalate load. You want to reduce oxalate load temporarily in food and then increase detoxification in the body. Awesome. Well, y'all, I hope that makes so much sense. I hope that that you understand a little bit that there is hope for fibromyalgia. If you have fibromyalgia, if you just have fibromyalgic-like pain, if you have IBS, these things are all playing into it. And while calcium and oxalates are invisible, again, on a lot of conventional tests that can be done, they are totally visible in the HTMA test and the organic acid test, which can be done with, which are, I mean, they're tests that we do in Better Belly Therapies with many of our clients. Um, We do the HTMA test with every client. We do the oat test with clients whose symptoms correlate so that we are not missing out on precious information to help you feel better. If you are ready to start diving into your health and testing and not guessing in your health anymore, then I want to invite you to sign up for the Foundations Program Waitlist. Our Foundations Program at Better Belly Therapies is our signature program that goes through our nine-step system to get you to a better belly and a better life. As of now, I'm no longer taking on any new clients until I pass through my maternity leave, but once the baby has come and I am back on with taking new clients, I'm gonna be diving into that waitlist, and I would love for you to be one of the first clients that I get to reach out to and start working with so we can make gains in your health and you can quit your fibromyalgia and pain, IBS, chronic pain, all of that and get back and honestly experience possibly for the first time a vibrant and abundant you. If you are ready to join the waitlist, then go down to our show notes and click join the Foundations Program waitlist where you will be able to just submit your name and email and you will be one of the first to know when the Foundations Program reopens. All right, guys. Well, if you love this episode, we have so much more coming down the line. Subscribe so you never miss a beat. And if you thought of a friend while listening to this podcast, I want to encourage you, take a screenshot and share it with a friend. I cannot count how many times I tell someone I'm a gut health therapist and they say, oh, I know someone who needs you. So text that friend a love note to their gut and do us a favor and pass this podcast along to them. Other ways that you can support us is by leaving a rating and review on our Apple iTunes podcast. It is so helpful for other people to get to see what you're loving in the podcast, how it's changing your life, and if you even like it, it helps other people just like you to find this podcast and find good news, good information, hope. Whatever you're enjoying here, they can enjoy it here too. And if you're new to the podcast or just haven't followed us on Instagram yet, I would invite you to follow us on Instagram where you can interact with us more, see more about what's going on in the podcast, what's going on in my life. I love just sharing and connecting more with you there. You can go to Uh, Instagram.com slash betterbellytherapies or just look us up at at betterbellytherapies. I would love to hang out with you on Instagram. And as a reminder, our motto, miracles are immediate, but healing takes time. Yes, it takes time, but it is possible Then there is a way to measure it. Just like there's a little baby growing in my belly right now as of this recording, that and its taking time, it surely is happening and healing can happen for you too. So do not be discouraged. I believe in you. You are not stuck. You might not be getting that immediate miracle, but you are on your path to healing and you get to keep every step of healing that you gain along the way. I am so excited for you and where you're going next. See you later, sister.